You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. dive in and share our gut reaction to tonight's game we got to keep tonight brief though because it's it's late it's the wee hours and we got content to get up at milehighhuddle.com but gang welcome in to the huddle up podcast presented as always by mile high huddle powered by blue wire pods i'm your host chad jensen with me is my fellow football priest he's a little hot all right be prepared uh, insert Muhammad fire dragon emojis. He is the deputy editor of milehighhuddle.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, the Denver Broncos, uh, the good news and the, and the overall pot, you know, takeaway spin is handled another team in the NFC tonight um, by many, many scores is the margin of victory, but don't care saw, about that. We saw a very unique kind of stage that was set by the Denver Broncos coaches. Your gut reaction, let's start with the hot topic of the night, your gut reaction to the quarterbacks. I feel like for a large portion of Broncos country, myself included, this was a very hollow and empty victory, you know, as most are in the preseason chat. But I feel hoodwinked. I feel swindled. I feel completely like the rug was pulled out from underneath me when the Broncos and Vic Fangio made it seem like Drew Locke was maybe inching toward the starting job and it was more information coming. He was damn close to naming a starter. But in my view, in my view, this was shades of 2020 all around, and I will give Locke this against him. He was inaccurate at times. He was sloggy at times. He wasn't as explosive as last week, but it goes both ways. It was the 2020 play calling. It was the 2020 handling of the quarterback. It was the 2020 pass protection that broke down on Locke's first two snaps when he comes in the game. But when you have a coordinator who last week thrived off play action, you literally scored an 80-yard touchdown off play action, and it worked every time, and you don't run it once with Locke in this big audition moment, you you don't at least level the playing field with giving Teddy Bridgewater the, the run with the ones. His best receiver was Jerry Judy. Locke's best receiver was Deontay Spencer, who's not even a receiver. He's a punt returner. So I understand you have to be fair. I understand you have to be bureaucratic. I understand this is what Fangio wanted. One uh, a game with Locke with the ones, one game with Teddy with the ones. But it seemed like once Locke came out, Everyone kind of gave up. Everyone kind of reverted back to what was last year where they were kind of just sleepwalking with the lack of urgency, the lack of killer instinct, and most importantly, the lack of smarts in how to handle this quarterback. They effectively turned Drew Locke into Teddy Bridgewater, throwing short of the sticks, three-yard passes, checking it down. I understand the utility in that when it's necessary, but if you're going to completely cut his cashews off and make him something he's not, you're going to get this end result. They did Drew Locke no favors today at all. Zero. Here is a super chat that would concur with you. It would seem Mike five, five, six. Thank you, Mike. I'm so angry. They set lock up for failure. Three wide, no blocking, terrible play calling. Get him, Zach. Uh, it's like uh, a prophet here. All right. We've got Nostra Micas here in the chat tonight. Um, my, let me play some devil devil's advocate to you. All right. So here's the flip side to that coin. Well, what'd they give drew five possessions? 
or was it six? Five possessions. And I will all, I will 100% level with you and meet you at the point of where was the play action? Where was the inspiration? I mean, I get it. He's out there running with twos and threes. Uh, the only receiver that was on the field that he seemed to trust or have any kind of rapport or chemistry with was Deontay Spencer. Now, again, the flip side to that is, hey, Teddy Bridgewater, when he his number got called with the twos and threes last week in Minnesota, I, right before we went live, I wanted to verify and see who the people were catching passes, who the people were carrying the ball, and it was the same people that were with Locke for the most part. Tyree Cleveland, uh, Trinity Benson, maybe a little Deontay Spencer. But, Zach, I'm with you a large part of the way. The other part is this. Drew Locke simply had some bad luck tonight. All right, It's not like he stunk it up, dude. It's not like Drew Locke went out there and was, um, you know, not reading the field or, I mean, he had one or two balls that I was like, a little off there. Didn't turn it over. The biggest problem, the two thorns for Drew this this week were, number one, where whither is the, the play action? And what's crazy about that, Zach, real quick, is they made it a point to establish the run with Drew. I mean, they got the run game. It wasn't very good. I mean, they weren't really picking up huge chunks like they were last week in Minnesota, but they were getting that defense sucked up, but there was no play action. It was empty. It was three, four wide, as the Super Chat mentions here. So there's that. And then the other thing here, Zach, is his offensive line. Man, man, that was bad. From the back-to-back sacks to open his uh, audition tonight to Natani Muti uh, stepping on his foot and causing, what was that, third down, right, if I'm not mistaken? Just a, It was just a comedy of errors. And so if you're the coaches here, now let's just remove from the equation just for a second, Zach, and then I'm throwing this back to you. Any notion of conspiracy or setup to fail? Like, let's just say this is the way the cookie crumbled and maybe shame on Pat Shermer for not calling better play action or whatever. If you're the coaches now, it actually muddies the water worse because Drew Locke's supporting cast tonight was horse you-know-what. Well, how about this one? How many times did Teddy get to go for it on fourth down? How many times did Locke get to go for it on fourth down? And that's not a Shermer call. That's a Vic Fangio call. There's... I'm not buying into conspiracies. There's no tinfoil on my head about the Broncos quarterback competition. I take Vic Fangio at his word for it being even Steven, for it being down the middle, for the best quarterback should play. And you know what? Teddy Bridgewater tonight was the better quarterback. He was more efficient. He was more accurate. He was splashier. The offense was better with Teddy Bridgewater in the game. But there is that notion out there that Vic Fangio being the old-school, defensive-minded, hard-nosed coach who wants to win by field goals and not by touchdowns, he wants to play not to lose, you might say that he could favor Teddy Bridgewater. And if you were an unbiased observer, Chad, if I dropped you from Mars before tonight's game and had you watch, your conclusion would be, wow, they're kind of gearing that toward one quarterback. You don't know his name. He's never saw them before. But it seems like there's a little bit of favoritism going on or a little bit of um, unconscious bias on Fangio and Pat Shermer's part. They might want the veteran. They might want the guy who's steadier, who can lead a touchdown drive, which is the same end result. I'm fine with that. I want the Broncos offense to score. But if you can look me in my eye and say it was a fair judgment, and by the way, 
Everyone on Twitter is telling me, oh, you weren't saying this last week. I hated it last week, too. This is why I hate quarterback competitions. It gets so dragged out, and it's impossible to judge when you have one quarterback playing with first stringers and you have another quarterback playing with future real estate agents. How is that a fair apples-to-apples judgment at the most important position in all of sports? So I hated it last week at Bridgewater, and I hate it in reverse now with Drew Locke. This is why I hate what Fangio did, dragging it out. But if you're going to... If you are leaning that way, Chad, if he truly wants Teddy, just name him already. Let week one become the top priority. Let the other players on offense know and and the entire team know who their leader is, who their guy is, and start to forge that chemistry and brotherhood going forward into New York. Don't drag this out anymore. Vic, if you want Teddy, say you want Teddy. End the charade. Guys, we are just getting started now. We got to set expectations here, guys. This is not going to be a full-throated, you know, hour and a half long gut reaction because we do have fish to fry and it's very, very late. So, get any questions, comments, super chats in. We will do our best. We'll get BNS here. Appreciate you, brother. He says at least Cooper looks great. I'm tired of retread quarterbacks. Zach, while you uh, reply to him, I'm going to pull up and give everybody a quick update on where we're at on Facebook. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, you know, among non-quarterbacks, there were some... It, again, it feels like, even though it was another Broncos decisive victory, it doesn't really feel that way, you know, even for a preseason game. But Jonathan Cooper, far and away, was a standout performer in this contest. And I'm almost ready, Chad, to pencil in Cooper ahead of Malik Reed. I just think he has more athleticism and space. And if he gets a little better against the run, I think that'll be the tipping point for him. Regardless, though, they got a steal... In Jonathan Cooper, seventh-round pick. This is a guy who's here to stay for quite a while. All right, guys. We are at uh, 42% of our goal on Facebook as far as supporters. We're trying to get to 250 supporters on Facebook. If you're there with us right now, at the very bottom of the chat where you would input your question or comment, there's a little green icon. If you click that, you can be a supporter. What does that get you? Well, first of all, it gets us a little help keeping the lights on at MHH. What it gets you is access to our supporters-only VIP podcast content, which includes Kellerman's Corner, which will be coming to you hot tomorrow at noon Mountain Time. Today we had Broncos Book Club, the Trickle Zone, every Saturday. So it's a, it's a little something-something we give back to support the cause. Now, Zach, on top of that, we are barreling rapidly close to our goal, all right? When we reach 500,000 stars on Facebook – we're going to raffle off a Von Miller jersey and to accompany that, a nice little cool little memento from MHH that I think any dude that has a fan cave or any uh, female in our audience that has a um, fan cave, it'll go nicely with what you got cooking. So we're at uh, 54%. And the way it works is when we reach 500, the Von Miller jersey is going to be raffled off. The only people in the running are those who contributed to the goal. How are we keeping track of that? Well, fortunately, Facebook does that for us, okay? The more someone stars, the more tickets they have in the hat, so to speak, the better their chances are to be drawn randomly in the raffle. So here's the top 10 real quick, and then we'll dive right back into the chat. Zeus McPeak still with a quite comfortable lead at number one, followed by Travis Weber, two absolute legends. Michael Ronquillo there at three. Man, very impressive, Michael. Andrew Lampy at four. Howie Frickin' Day at five, Travis Tarbox six, Sean Miller seven, Randy Jones eight, Gary Leeds Palmer, another legendary figure at nine, Andrew Baker at 10. And then you can kind of see who's just outside the top 10 here. 
So guys, we do appreciate that support. The stars do support our, our channel. It, do, it does support the brand. So thank you very much. All right, guys. Um, and we will keep an eye out for any of your topics, comments tonight, and we'll check to see what the update is in stream on stars today. Zach, here's Max Power from across the pond. Thank you for the super chat, Max. He says, Teddy killed it today. Solid game last week and a great performance tonight. I think it's a wrap on the competition personally. And now here's the thing, Max Power. You would think that, right? You would think, uh, but let me show you something real quick that might surprise you a little bit. Teddy Bridgewater got to play with the ones, went 9 for 11, 105 yards, a touchdown, and a killer rating of 136.7. And he got to play behind the first-string offensive line, and he got the benefit on a ugly, lame miscommunication. I don't know, third failed third down. Fangio allowed him to stay on the field, and then he made a great play. I'll give Teddy his props on that fourth down uh, hit in, over the middle of the field to Jerry Judy. Hung tall in the pocket, climbed the ladder, boom, threw a strike. But look, Zach, Drew Locke, nine completions as well, only uh, out of 14, 80 yards, zero scores, zero picks, not a great rating, but again, this is a statistical body of work, Zach, that demands some context. Exactly. Exactly. It's the same thing we were talking about last week with the 80-yard touchdown that Locke threw. You know, there's a way to throw it where it's more impressive. Even if you can throw two 80-yard touchdowns, if you hit the guy in stride versus not, context matters. And the same thing here. They both completed nine passes. Not a big discrepancy in attempts. Not a big discrepancy in yards. Obviously, Bridgewater had the touchdown. But one quarterback, and again, you know, I've been a big Drew Locke supporter, Bridgewater was the better guy tonight. You can you can say the reason why he was with the first string. He got more help from the offensive line, the play calling. He also had, though, to his credit, Chad, you mentioned the throw to Judy, that dime on the sideline. You could not have fit that ball in a tighter window. So I give, actually, Bridgewater a lot of credit for how he played tonight, but you can't convince me that Locke had a fair shake given these circumstances. It doesn't mean excuses. It doesn't mean I'm simping for him or caping for him. He, I'm not dying on that hill tonight. But if you can look me in the eye and say that he had a helpful supporting cast, he had helpful play calling, he had all the things working in his favor, or even most of the things working in, in his favor, I'm going to call you a damn liar. Jacob on Twitter says, Teddy had to convert fourth downs just to get in the end zone. It wouldn't count as touchdowns in the regular season. Probably true, right? Vic Fangio doesn't call, go for fourth down there. That ugly throw that was a, either it was a miscue or just a bad throw to, who was it, Hamler, I think, down the right sideline on third down. You know, you're punting because you're just a little outside field goal range there. Mike concurs with you, Zach. He says, amen. Thank you for that super chat, brother. We really do appreciate it. Um, let me take a look here. And the chat is hot and heavy. Uh, Randy Foster, what's good? As it should be. As it should be. Thank you for that, Super. He says, coaching staff throwing Locke under the bus, as well as most of the Denver media. It's ridiculous. Hashtag let them hate. Zach, here's what I'll say, though. Okay. We'll see how this, how the uh, the dust ultimately settles on this. But if nothing else, one of my key takeaways coming out of this game was hey, you know what, if the coach is throwing with Teddy and that's who ultimately starts the season as the, as the guy, I think this team is still going to be okay. Is it great for Drew? No. Is it great for the long-term um, destiny of this team? No. But I think this team will be okay, you know, at least in the short term. 
what you've seen with Teddy Bridgewater traditionally as a quarterback is solid starts and then the attrition of the season quickly wears him down and he becomes uh, oftentimes just more impotent, all right? And I mean that in the true sense of the word. Even the New Orleans uh, streak, Zach, where he went 5-0 and in relief of Drew Brees, um, you look at his stats over that span, he was carried by a yes. Super Bowl-caliber roster. So, look, I think you can get by with Teddy, uh, and you can still be, just like I've been saying for months, I still think you can be competitive with Teddy the way this roster is balanced, Zach. But uh, you are really going to be, if it ends up going to Teddy, you're really going to be missing out on that ceiling. You are, and you're still going to wonder what that ceiling is. Is it, again, was it, you know, the Minnesota game last year or last week? Was it anything we saw toward the end of last season, or was it closer to what we saw today, even though he was working with second and third stringers? I I don't know about bias in the media. I mean, everyone has their opinion. Everyone seems to rally around Bridgewater's personality, his quotes. And the more I read what he's saying, Chad, I'm a big Bridgewater fan. I'm just not a big Bridgewater fan as my starting quarterback. That being said, though, I'm right there with you. I mean, his floor is good enough. The Broncos' talent floor and ceiling around him is good enough. They can still win 9 or 10 games if Teddy is the guy, and they can rest easier if Vic Fangio can, knowing that hopefully, for you know, that's the hope is that Bridgewater won't turn it over, and uh, he didn't have any turnovers today. So it, the best man should play. I'm going to continue to say that. I've been saying that since the competition started. Whoever it is, even if it's Brett Rippon somehow, the best quarterback should be under center. The better quarterback was Bridgewater tonight. I just don't think it was a fair evaluation. It felt a little lopsided. And I think, honestly, other than indicting Pat Shermer for some extremely uninspiring uh, play calls for Drew, I mean, it was just – it was so – transparent and obvious i mean where went the again getting him on the move play action and it's not like you didn't set up the offense to be able to do that i mean you weren't picking up big chunks on the ground like you did last week but you were a plausible threat to run the ball which then of course makes play action a plausible threat against any defense it could have worked but for whatever reason Maybe they just wanted to see what Drew looked like in straight-up empty sets and straight-up out of the gun. Maybe that was their own kind of test. I, I can't speak for them, but it was definitely conspicuous. Uh, Najal Taff, what's up, buddy? Thank you for the super. Thanks for staying up late, and that goes out to all you guys with your football priest. Naj says, hey, brothers, I feel like the coaches purposely put Locke in bad situations to test him. I could be way off, but he didn't turn the ball over and moved the ball some. That uh, that being said, it does feel the coaches are on Teddy already. And Zach, here's the thing: even if that, let's say it's true for just a second, let's buy in and say that the the, the coaches kind of tanked. Even if it might have been for an altruistic purpose of seeing how Drew would react, like seeing a test, not necessarily to try and like make him fail, but to really see how he'd react. I'm sorry, guys, but does that statistical output look like a quarterback that completely stepped on his business, you know, stepped on his you-know-what? 9 of 14 and 8 for 80 yards. I mean, you're missing a score. That would have been nice, a touchdown. But, Zach, this is not the stat line of a quarterback who crapped the bet. No, but it's not the stat line of a quarterback that the Broncos wanted to see. I mean, Pat Shermer even said play well, and that was the that was really the key right there. It's not necessarily duplicate the stats you had last week. You don't necessarily have to throw an 80-yard touchdown. They don't have to win in a blowout, but at least move the ball. But the problem is the Broncos put Locke in 
no real good situation to move the ball. No real opportunity for rhythm, tempo, to get something going. And I don't think there was an intentional act to sabotage Locke or to test Locke. I do think, though, there is indifference. Because if you see the amount of snaps that Teddy got tonight and the amount of snaps that Drew got tonight, once I realized he was coming out for yet another series, I tweeted, it can't be a great sign for how they consider uh, or how they hold Locke in their, in their evaluation. He kept getting more work with the backups. What does that say? So, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, something they're doing to kind of screw with Locke or it's an intentional test. I think there's a lot of apathy to it, though, where they don't really care what happens because they might be leaning toward Teddy. And it is a little bit bizarre because some of the buzz we were picking up toward the end of last week or this past week, I guess we're still in the week for another 52 minutes, at least in uh, God's country, was that the pendulum had swung Drew's way after a very impressive debut against Minnesota. He came back to Denver, had kind of a stinker game Tuesday or practice Tuesday. There was that whole miscue. Did he and Shermer really get into it? They pushed back from a PR perspective. Then Wednesday, he came out, played very well. Thursday, more of kind of a walkthrough type thing, but still Drew finished the week on a very positive note as far as practice, but then things just didn't go his way. But again, Zach, I have to stress this. Drew Locke did not stink it up tonight. We are not talking about the performance of a quarterback embroiled in a battle with, with Teddy Bridgewater who gave the ball away, consistently put his team in bad situations, could get nothing going. I mean, it was rough at times because of the way people were playing around him, not per se from Drew specifically. Muhammad, appreciate you, bro. He says, greetings, rock stars. I am so confused right now. Who is going to start week one? Dude, I don't know. I mean, if anything, especially the way they ended up kind of structuring these play calls and the rep share tonight, I mean, you could look at this in so many different ways. You could look at it, Zach, in that, hey, the, the Broncos kept giving Drew possessions uh, because they recognized the guys around him weren't playing so hot and they wanted to give him as many swings at the plate as possible as long to try and, you know, so long as it stayed balanced in terms of, you know, swings at the plate uh, with Teddy. Again, Teddy threw the ball tonight, all right, 11 times. How many possessions did he get? Zach, was it three or was it two? I think Either it was way, three. Just he, he threw the ball already 11 times. Okay, so they went hot and heavy early. Drew getting to 14 attempts. They both completed nine balls. Neither threw a pick. Drew, it took him five possessions, Zach, to get to 14 attempts. So that tells you something, and it's, it's very cloudy. I mean, I wish I had an answer for you, Muhammad. I don't know. My gut right now is ambivalent. It seems like the momentum has shifted back into Bridgewater's favor. I don't think Fangio, though, is ready to call it just yet. If he wants to be fair, you can say Locke won the first game and Bridgewater won the second game. So by rule, the third game is a tiebreaker. So maybe the last preseason game is going to drag on even longer. You know, though, Chad, I don't remember. Top of my head, I haven't watched the game again, obviously. Was there one deep ball dialed up for Drew Locke? Was there a single deep ball dialed up for the quarterback that can throw an 80-yard touchdown as he did last week? How does that happen? And to the point about not getting the run game going, it's really easy for the defense to key in on the offense when they keep everything within three to five yards horizontally, east and west, nothing north and south. And that goes for Bridgewater as well. I was begging for a deep ball. The only difference is Teddy can't throw it. 
Physically, Locke can. He showed it last week. And to not dial up one deep ball in a preseason game? Come on. Come on, man. Come on, man. Okay, here is Larry Vaughn. Good to see you, buddy. Longtime superstar. He says, man, Jonathan Cooper has to be on the final 53. He will be. Even if he doesn't play another snap in the preseason, which he will. Yeah, this dude, it, it goes Vaughn, Chubb, Malik, Cooper. And Andre Mintz, you know, he'll be on the practice squad. I don't think Derek Tuska survives this time around. I think he's not only getting cut, but I don't even think they're going to try and sneak him on through waivers to the to the practice squad. But Cooper was definitely impressive. Two sacks. I mean, let's go. Every time I looked up, it was either Cooper or uh, Deshaun Williams in the backfield. And by the way, I mean, can we say now the Broncos defensive line, Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, uh, Deshaun Williams and the rest now, they have the best and most active hands in football. I mean, Bill Kalar, just it's an amazing job with each and every one. I thought it was interesting. Um, I th- was it Simmons? I'm trying to remember who it was now off the top of my head on a sideline interview. They didn't pronounce his name Deshaun. They pronounced it Deshaun, which I was like, really? Okay. Well, I've been saying it wrong this whole time, and I've never noticed uh, a call being made that way during a television broadcast. Maybe it was just a – Weird deal. But, Zach, here uh, are the stars for tonight, the leaderboard. Howie freaking day at the top with a 1,000 stars, followed by Claude Riley. What's up, buddy? Michael, Travis Weber, what's good? Colby Collier and Donovan Swanson chipping in with some stars as well. Really appreciate you guys, and we will be keeping an eye out for any of your topics, questions in the chat. I got to say, Chad, you brought it up real quick. Uh, The Seattle out-of-town broadcast that was most people's stream tonight was the most – insufferable three hours I've ever had to listen to. They were mispronouncing names once again, but I i don't know what their bias is with Teddy Bridgewater. They were pulling for him so hard to beat out Drew Locke. They were simping so hard. I was actually physically cringing. Just as an aside, most out-of-town broadcasts are awful. This one was particularly bad. Yeah, especially the preseason ones, right? Because this is like, you want to talk about the practice squad, these broadcasters, in most cases, I don't want to do everybody dirty because Nine News, you know, Rod Mackey, Chad Brown tonight, I, I felt like they did a good job. Fortunately, if you're in the Rockies, uh, you are getting the Broncos, um, you know, broadcast. But if you're, yeah, insufferable, I feel you there. Mike, jumping in um, real quick, he says, sorry, no Facebook. I don't like the owner, LOL. Yeah, no, no problem, buddy. Thanks for the support. <laughs> Duchess. That's funny. Michaela weighing in. Thank you, my friend, for that support. She said, you, I think Locke got no protection from the O-line and the play calling was bad. Sister, you ain't lying. If we, if we were a jury right now, Zach, and Pat Shermer was being tried and Mike Munchak, guilty on both counts, lock him up, throw away the key. Yeah, I mean, everything just seemed to unravel as soon as Locke got in the game. I think his first drop back was a sack. And it wasn't even like it was on Locke, get rid of the football, Drew, you know, have that mental clock in your head, Drew. He didn't have two seconds to even run around at all before he faced pressure. So I don't know what happened there. Real quick, though, Chad, they called Adrian Killings. I'm not off this point yet. I can't. It stays with me. They called Adrian Killings. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Maybe I'm going crazy. I believe they called him Deshaun Hamilton. (laughs) <laughs> Don't ask me how. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Otto Von Bismarck jumping in, a newer name. Thank you. Welcome. Connect on Twitter. He says, I don't know if it was just me, but uh, it taking Teddy two fourth down attempts to uh, on the second touchdown drive didn't make me feel good since he was with the one. 
yeah, that's a, that is a mitigating factor here. And guys, giving the coaches a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in terms of like they didn't try to purposefully favor one or the other, that's going to factor into this whole thing. Like, hey, guys, look, Teddy got us, had, had trouble converting on a couple third downs. If we're not in a no-stakes preseason game, we're either punting or kicking field goals there. In both cases, right. actually, you're punting. So, or, yeah, punting. So either way, Zach, uh, Teddy showed some things. Like, let me say the one thing I liked about Teddy – Actually, two things. One, that four, first fourth down where he stepped up in the pocket yes. with some edge pressure and hit, hit Jerry, uh, Jerry Judy. Very nice. And then the touchdown to K.J. Hamler. Really cool to see that pre-snap uh, recognition of what the defense was doing. Some communication between him and Hamler. And it was a dime. You know, It was a dime little out route in the end zone. So Teddy showed some things. And let me also throw this out for Drew. Drew Locke showed you, all right, that – He's a guy, if you get a, a coaching staff that can get behind him and be inspired, he can do things for you. And he's especially sure. lethal when not just the play breaks down, but when he's on the move. All right. I mean that in a positive way, lethal. That little, you know, dump off ditch pass to Seth Williams on third down that went for some big yardage, you know, that's an improv- improvise, improvisational uh, type of skill set. That just comes from a guy that has, you know, some some God-given athleticism and twitch that Teddy really doesn't have. You know, Teddy is a guy that's he's gonna he'll hang in the pocket, he will read the field, he will let things develop. But if you see him breaking the pocket, it's similar to Peyton Manning, where it's like, hold your breath, stand up, hope to God nothing terrible happens. And you know, one last thing, Zach. I'll give there's one negative thing I'm going to say particularly about Drew other than saying, you know, a couple of his balls were a little off target. A couple times I saw him tonight too, uh his his footwork I saw a throw off the back foot which you hadn't seen. You know, last week you didn't see that. He stayed technically sound and disciplined. But when he tripped over Natani Muti's foot, the frustration boiled to the surface and his body language was not good. I didn't like seeing that from him. You know, look, I get it. You're frustrated. This moment means everything to you because you're battling for your NFL life, so to speak. But at the same time, you got to act like you've been there before. You can't, you know, you can't let not only your teammates, but the opponent see that anything's getting to you. So if his coaches, I can promise you are going to point that out to him and film tomorrow. I, you know, I I get what you're saying. You have to, you know, wow. (laughs) Mark. I, <laughs> what son? I, I can't even finish my thought. I saw that, and n- my thought doesn't matter. Mark, new record holder. Mark, it, wow. Uh, we're up so late, and I'm so tired. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, <laughs> he just, he just. Wow. He just stop me in my tracks. Dale, D Dub. We have two leaderboards now for the biggest wow. individual super chat on the show all time. Golly, dude. Mark Langley just put wow. the, the, the train just went. <laughs> because we're sitting here, you know, slack jawed, like we just took a slobber knocker to the beak. Wow. Thank you, Mark, dude. Seriously. I mean, I, it, it's like in the movie when time literally kind of slows down. That's what happened when I saw that, Mark. Nothing we can say can can describe how, how generous that is or how appreciative we are. We will be sure to send you a message off air and thank you some more for all that you've done and continue to do. That is incredible. I just wanted to add, if I could, I don't. <laughs> I kind of have to regain my thought now, Mark. I appreciate it so much. 
I can't blame Locke if it's bad enough when he, his starting running back is a Demaria Crockett, his best receiver is Deontay Spencer, he's getting bad play calling, bad protection, and in spite of all that now, he has an alignment stepping on his foot. So it's like whatever could go wrong, you know, did go wrong for Drew. And he's human after all. If that happened to Teddy, Teddy internally maybe would be just as angry. I agree with you. You have to present a united front. He has to be even keeled. But that's the type of personality Drew Locke is, Chad. He's the backyard football type. He's the wrestler. He's the, you know, the Brett Farvey and kind of an a-hole at times. That's who Drew Locke is. If you want a safe, passive, kind of nice guy, go with Teddy Bridgewater. Mark says, nothing but politics. Hashtag Locke, hashtag number three. Mark, I hope, uh, by the way, aren't you up past your bedtime, dog? I know you're on the East Coast, bro. It's, it's like 1.30, so we appreciate you staying up with us. We're, uh, we're staying up late. We're burning nearly incredible. midnight oil. But, dude, give our thank best you. to uh, the missus, and thank you so much, my friend. Much love. Cody Potter says, Locke looked great to me. If you look at it closely, he fixed his mechanics, backpedal, uh, throwing off the back foot, took sacks, didn't try to force it. I will agree with you. There was two two plays in particular, though, that I saw the back foot. Um, but here's what I'll say to kind of balance that is, and I, this was something also that if you were watching the Denver broadcast, uh, they did a good job of pointing out is he took what the, the defense was giving him. He didn't force it, as you mentioned there, Cody. And he read the field, man. He went through his progression. So, again, the coaches, when they start going through the film of, of the tonight – like, again, Drew Locke, nine completions, Teddy, nine completions. You know, Teddy, nine for 11, Drew, nine for 14. Drew's were dearly purchased. He took multiple sacks, got hit three different times, the two sacks plus the trip over Natani Muti. And the dude, I think, had to persevere a little bit, right? He had to show a little grit, had to show a little toughness. It would have been cool to say, hey, look, do you really need to see Brett Let's see if he can bounce back and like lead these dudes who are obviously in a funk around him a little bit to something, right? Let's see if we can get a, a TD on the board. Wasn't in the cards tonight, but yeah, Zach, it definitely, I got to stress this again, guys. Drew Locke did not suck. After him going out there and putting up two touchdowns last week, Teddy getting one, Teddy getting one today, your expectation is, oh man, if you didn't get a touchdown drive, man, swing and a miss. You know, you lost where that's not really true. In fact, if you look at the full analysis, Zach, both cues have led to passing uh, two touchdown drives, both of which were off their right arm. Yeah, this was not the lock of the Buffalo game last year. This was not the lock of the first uh, Raiders game last year. Uh, and one thing that no one seems to be talking about, it also goes for Teddy because he's playing efficient football, but that was expected. Steady Teddy, a clean brand of, of pigskin. Uh, but with Locke, how many picks has he thrown? He's playing a more mistake-free brand of football. It's the one thing we all wanted to see from Drew, aside from his accuracy, his footwork, his mechanics, if he can cut down on the turnovers. And so far, he might have handled some pressure. He might have been sacked a few times. It was not his best performance by any stretch of the imagination. Teddy Bridgewater, for a lot of reasons, was the better quarterback tonight. But Locke, I see a difference. He's more poised. Uh, he's more um, decisive. He stands tall in the pocket. He goes through his reads, not locking onto one guy. And most importantly, he's not melting down. You don't see those pick sixes. You don't see the fumbles. You don't see the interceptions. That is growth from a quarterback who died by those last year. And no one seems to be talking about that. 
uh, guys, again, I got to remind you, we, we're not going to be able to stay on for a full hour. So uh, we, we got to really, uh, for Jeremy here, we got to hurry and get through Jeremy, Jonathan. Uh, hold on, let's see who else I got here the old-fashioned way. Jonathan, Richard. The queen, I saw. Uh, okay, we just got a rapid fire. Jeremy says, I don't think there was any separation tonight. Drew rebounded. Only thing that bothered me was Drew fumbling the first sack. Protection was garbage, but you can't have uh, the fumble. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really think it was. A, if you were looking, if you were to say separation, I mean, there's a difference. There's momentum and then there's separation. Drew had the momentum, and I felt like last week showed separation. All right? Fangio wouldn't go there with us. Tonight, I felt like the momentum swung to Teddy, but I, I can't quite qualify that as separation because Drew did not suck it up tonight. Exactly. And the, and the thing about the offensive line, I want to kind of bring up this this uh, comment by James here. He struggles against the blitz. So does every single quarterback that's ever played the game, James. Look at the Super Bowl in February. Look at Patrick Mahomes, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. He was terrified and harassed constantly by the pass rush. Every quarterback, if you blitz them, they will crumble. That was the key to beating Brady. That's how the Giants ended the undefeated season in 07. They blitzed the hell out of Brady. And when you can get that kind of pressure, when a defender is in the backfield in 1.5 seconds, every single quarterback will struggle in that situation. It's not a lock problem. And I would disagree that he can't read defenses under pressure. Richard Summers, uh, Zach, why would you try to play action when you're getting free runners? One of those first two pressure snaps um, – one of those first two pressure snaps, a run action snap, agreed. Context matters. Well, here's the thing: if you're showing a balanced look in your in your uh, arsenal as a play caller, like even that, if you go and say, "Hey, we're going to run two tight ends. It's third and short on Drew's first um, possession. We're going to run two tight ends. All right. We're going to keep them both into block. We're going to run play action, and we're going to hope we can one of these two receivers can." get some separation and then all of a sudden maybe you're not so worried about free runners and the blitz up the middle there's ways to counter that stuff Richard if you're actually trying to do so and let me let me add one more point I mentioned this earlier when you're taking no shots down the field when you're not stretching the defense out when you don't at least present the threat of a vertical challenge, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to stack up and stop the run, and they're going to get after the quarterback. It's not rocket science. This is a Pat Shermer deficiency that I thought after last week was gone. There were a few things from last week that we were like, well, let's hope this is here to stay. You know, let's uh, let's not count our, hit, our chickens, though, before they hatch. And Pat Shermer showing a true mighty change of heart, that seemed to have been a uh, – Mirage, at least right now, it feels that way. Brandon, appreciate you, bro. Bama Broncos, he says, talk about the good, bad, and ugly. Does Pat Shermer have a total different playbook for Drew Locke? Not according to him, if you ask Pat. But yeah, Pat Shermer, I mean, sorry. Again, you can stand up there if you're the coaches, and we're live right now, so we don't know what they were saying post game, uh, Fangio, that is. But you could try and stand up there and plausibly sell, hey, you know what? We did it that way to just put Locke into put Drew into some situations and see how he'd react. Maybe it's true. I would. I'm not sure. I would buy it, Zach. There's conspiracy theories. You know, Pat Shermer does have the the familiarity with Teddy Bridgewater going back to Minnesota, but he also has familiarity with Locke. Uh, after last year. So I don't think there's two different playbooks. I just think whoever the better quarterback is that's executing the plays called, 
is the you know the better quarterback in the coach's eyes. And for tonight's game plan, Chad, when your primary focus is to check it down three to five yards at a time, death by a thousand paper cuts, that is always going to favor a quarterback like Teddy. Jonathan Figueroa, what's up, buddy? He says, Vic, and thank you, by the way, he says, Vic is about as bad as it gets at the head coach in the league. Also, a terrible game for Mooty, missed assignments. Drew is still going to be the starter. Also, let Spencer go. He is terrible. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Spencer's uh, going to survive this particular round, especially when now Trinity Benson was a little bit quieter tonight, Zach, but uh, he... Spencer doesn't have any momentum. Why was that, Chad? Why was he quieter? Why was he so good last week? Why did everything look much better and more explosive last week? You have to ask yourself that, that it goes beyond the field sometimes, guys. Uh, Christopher Kastner jumping in, a newer name on Super Chat. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much, my friend, for that Super Chat. Mm-hmm. Connect with us on Twitter so we can shout you out after the show and keep this conversation going. All right, we're at 40 minutes, so we really got to muscle through here, Zach. We want to try to avoid leaving any of our superstars out in the cold, including our Facebook super supporters like Zebulon. Thanks, buddy. He says, if Bridgewater starts and wins nine or ten games while still just being steady Teddy, that's the worst possible outcome for Denver this season. I don't want to hope for steady Teddy to be the franchise guy. It's got to be lock or bust. Start over next year if he busts, basically, uh, with hopefully a high draft pick if lock fails. Yeah, because if you do go with Teddy and you win nine games and you finish with the 15th overall pick in the draft or the 16th or 17th or whatever, it just makes it all the more difficult if Teddy was the starter for a reason, meaning that Drew just failed to launch or you know failed in his opportunity. You're right back to the drawing board, only this time you don't have the benefit of a top 10 pick. Yeah, Zeb, I love you. I appreciate your interaction always. Um, I just, it's too early to talk about draft right now and, you know, the next quarterback. Um, Teddy is not a franchise guy. He's not even a two year option. I think he's a one year hold the fort. Whatever happens, happens. He's either one of the league's best backups or a very, very average starter that Broncos can still win with. They're taking it one week at a time. I don't think they're even looking toward 2022 just yet. By the way, Zach, if you see a uh, t- comment or question from any of these fine folk, by the way, Dan- Diamond Rattler, good to see you. Thank you for the super chat. Much love to you. And by the way, I fully intend on wearing a uh, little uh, Bronco medallion in the at the MHH meet and greet on uh, September 26th. So I'll be representing you, my dog. Um, Zach, keep an eye out for any comments or questions from Howie, Claude, Pete, Michael, Travis, Colby and Donovan, you guys, that's the leaderboard for today on Stars. Appreciate each and every one of you. We are just barreling closer to our goal of 500,000 stars on Facebook. All right, let me see here, gang. Uh, we don't have much time left, probably 10 minutes. So we got a really, really rapid fire. Oh, man, and it just did a jump on me. So let me scroll back up. And let's see here. Apologies for the. Uh, why don't you uh, grab this one, Zach, and I'm going to look on the back end of YouTube real quick. It did seem that way, Howie, didn't it, that he had no starting offensive lineman. And, you know, it's funny that the broadcasts, again, they were so pro-Bridgewater. They made it seem like Locke had all of his starters. He had maybe two or three on the field with him at a given time. 
So it, it, it is unfortunate that, you know, the downgrade in talent, the downgrade in coaching, the downgrade in, in um, intensity and urgency, I think, was evident and that affected Locke. I think he would have rolled better with the first stringers. But then again, to be fair, you can only play who's in front of you. And I saw some comments like, I think I saw Glenn Hauser say, Zach, you weren't saying this last week. Yes, I was. This is why I hate quarterback competitions. It's never a fair or accurate representation or judgment when you have one guy going against first stringers and, again, one guy going against fourth stringers. It's a big difference. Well, another big difference is the play calling wasn't drastically different between Drew and Teddy last week. It was right. this week. That's conspicuous. You know, that does stick out for those of us who pay close attention to the finer details like that. Michael, thank you for the super chat, buddy. He says, how is it from Hawaii, fellas? Great. That's cool, man. Another Hawaii superstar. He says, go Broncos. We have a quarterback uh, controversy on our hands. What do you think they do next week versus the Rams? Sit or play? Uh, A-L-O. A- I don't know what that means. I'm Aloha. too tired to try and Aloha. Okay, thank you. Uh, Zach, I think Vic Fangio isn't going to be able to sell to anybody, whether it was if he's leaning Teddy or if he's leaning Drew, that he can make a decision. This is going to – this to me, as I sit here saying it out loud, screams – who knows? Maybe I'll be proven wrong Monday morning. But I don't think that you're going to get a decision until after the third game. I think you might not even get a decision now until – that you won't know till whoever suits up and takes that first snap in, against the Giants week one. I think the only way that we were going to get a, a full-blown decision by Sunday or Monday is if Locke just confirmed or put their doubts to bed and was consistent and as good or as impressive, as productive, whatever word you want to use, as he was last week. But because he wasn't and because Bridgewater shined in his stead, I think you're right, Chad. He's going to delay this decision one more week. The only way they, they do not play next week is if Fangio makes that call ahead of time. But even then, they have other positions. They're still evaluating right tackle being up in the air as well. So I think ultimately the starters will play the last game, and I'm with you. We'll get a quarterback decision hopefully after that. By the way, real quick before we grab the queen, Mike says again, 5-5-6, five, five, announcers kept saying starters were playing. Shake my head. That's what I'm saying. Again, we're talking practice squad uh, announcing crews here, gang. The Queen says, and thank you, Christy. Much thank love you, Christy. Christy. Love says, you. We need to add an OC competition. Sherman <laughs> dropped the ball this week. That's right. Let's let's put, uh, you know, let's let's bear the guts of both Shermer and Mike Shula and see which guy you know rises to the top. Yeah, I mean, well, if if it's they're going to structure it the same way, I mean, they would give Shermer. They would tilt it in his favor, giving him all productive touchdown plays. They would give Mike Shula all draw plays on third and eight. It's just, <laughs> it's a very, very uneven comparison tonight. Uh, and despite that, guys, I got to remind you, both quarterbacks completed nine passes. Teddy, nine of 11, Drew, nine of 14. Brandon Harden again. Thanks, buddy. Pat did not help out Locke. The O-line did not help. Uh, missing block, missing reads. And don't forget uh, his, on, his, off trip, his offensive line tripping Locke. Yes, indeed. That was something that was another conspicuous mitigating circumstance. John Houston says, I'm so stoked for Teddy to start and dink and dunk to eight wins for a mid-round pick. If they really start Teddy, I hope this coaching staff is gone. That's the thing. You really got to be careful because you're right on that, John. Teddy's ceiling is limited. That means the, the, it stands to reason anyway. The ceiling of the team is limited if you roll with Teddy, and you're not doing anything to move the needle into the future if you roll with Teddy. So that's why making it an open competition was always suspect because 
you could always turn to Teddy at any point in the season. Why not go into this? Drew's our guy again, whatever. Um, and then, you know, hey, if he fails to, to capitalize, you can always turn to Teddy. But then at least you got all the answers you would need on Drew. Right. If they were to make a decision on this uh, after this game, Zach, and give it to Teddy, and Teddy marches into the year, wins two, loses one. Uh, wins one, loses two. And you get like an eight eight and uh, nine type of season or nine and eight type of season, whatever. They miss the playoffs again. And you're never going to know what you had in Drew. Vic Fangio still gets fired, as does his entire staff. That's a really good point you made about you can always bring in Bridgewater off the bench because he's accustomed to that. He's been a journeyman. He's been a backup at certain points in his career, and he's okay with being that. But the same I don't think you can say or can be said about Drew Locke. If they were to name Bridgewater the starter – I don't know that you can bring him back in later on in the season. I think his confidence would be shattered. He was never a backup in the NFL. He's been groomed to be a starter from the first day he entered the Broncos. And and coming out of a, of a ruined year last year with all the different things that went against him and Denver, and now he's in a competition. He's cut down his mistakes. He looked really good last week. He's generally looked much better in training camp and practices overall. And for them to go with Bridgewater, how could you expect him to have confidence and not be completely just on the floor by that point? All right, we have here Brandon again. Thanks, buddy. Vic Fangio entered the game with three timeouts. That's once again showing he doesn't know how to use his timeouts and the management thing he doesn't get. I don't, I'm not reading into that one, buddy, when you're up by, you know, 27 points and it's a preseason game i feel you but slow your roll a little bit on that one um zach here's jess thank you buddy he says uh nine points in two games figure it out qbs let's go oh talking about the defense right the way this team is shutting out opponents but guys you still haven't seen a first string offense yet against the defense so keep that in the uh equation as well we also haven't seen Von Miller yet. So, I mean, the Broncos have been holding out some players as well. When they get back to full strength, this, this I said this on Twitter and I'll say it again. We shouldn't be hoping for Denver's defense to be top five. We should be fully expecting that. They are that good. And there's literally no reason why they can't finish that high or higher. Shout out to Christopher again. Thanks, buddy. And uh, Elliot, much love. Now, Zach, before we dip out of here, I gotta. We gotta find a couple of our Facebook stars here, and with it being so hot and heavy tonight, it's been a little bit more difficult uh, difficult than usual. Pete Middleton says, "Giving stars on the back of a tuk tuk in Cambodia, proving it can be done anywhere." Hey, salute, buddy! Thank you so much. What's a tuk tuk? It's like one of those little boats with the straw, um, like uh. frame roof. You know. Um, anyway, that's very cool, Pete. You know, we love you, dude. You're you're ride or die with us, and we appreciate you. I learned something new today. Thanks, Pete. Much respect. Okay, I think we got a super that I just saw, Chad. That's actually kind of relevant, obviously, to our interest tonight. Cody Potter hopping in two dollars super. Thank you, Cody. Sounds like Cliss. I I think you're saying there expects Teddy to be named the starter. I I think Cliss though has been pulling for Teddy all along, so he wants that. That would confirm his own bias. But I, I also agree. I'm a I'm a lock guy, and you agree, Chad, as well. The momentum seems to be swinging back into Teddy's favor going into preseason week three. I still think you're actually creating controversy if you name a Q coming out of this because it just was, especially on the heels of what happened last week, you got to give it one last swing. Now, who starts the third game? I don't give a a rip, to be honest with you. It doesn't matter to me. So long as they get to play with the same people. 
yeah. long as they're playing with the ones or both playing with the twos. I don't care. Take your pick. As long as that playing field is even, then you know. Because at this point, not only you're at risk of dividing the locker room because you don't. You think if we saw things this way, you don't think some of the locker room guys saw this this way. Uh, but the fans too. The fans. Travis, love you, buddy. He says, last I remember, this is a Broncos. Uh, the Broncos, uh, not this is Broncos, not Team Bridgewater, Team Lock. I know everyone has their preferences, but come on, guys. I mean, fans, let it rest. Agreed. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Um, okay, Zach, I think that's got to do it for tonight, guys. If we didn't get to your question or comment, our Facebookers, trust, we'll make it up to you tomorrow. We got Kelberman's Corner for our supporters at noon Mountain Time. And then the Huddle Up podcast, we return at 6 Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Mile high salute to all of you. Special shout out to Mark Langley for setting the, or, and tying, I should say, the individual biggest Super Chat record of yes. all time here at MHH. Thank Mark, you. you're a freaking legend. We love you. And with that, Zach, sign us on out of here, and we'll see everybody tomorrow. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for tuning into a fairly impromptu version and a special gut reaction preseason edition of the Huddle Up podcast. We'll be making this a staple, obviously, going forward in the regular season. Right after the game ends, we'll be on here to dispense our takes and our gut reaction. But we appreciate you guys tuning in with us tonight. Be sure, guys, in the meantime, before we see you again tomorrow, to follow, follow the Huddle Up podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account at Mile High Huddle for all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, film breakdowns, and so much more. It's all right there, your one-stop shop. Be sure, if you haven't already, guys, go to huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself a hat. Get yourself a shirt. Get yourself anything you want. It is in that store, fully accessible to you right now. We appreciate everyone checking that out. If you haven't already, guys, become a subscriber at facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Big blue button. Chad just talked about KK. That's tomorrow. We have Broncos Book Club on the weekends, Trickle Zone, more shows on the way. I promise you guys it's worth every penny. We appreciate everyone tuning into those shows. Also, facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page. But if you can't do any of those things, we totally understand. Still love you. Still appreciate you. Just do these three things, though, that take five seconds and help us grow more than anything else. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every single video you see on the MHH channel. Bring more Broncos fans into the fold, into the huddle, and help us congregate with more of Broncos country. We are out, though. Chad, until tomorrow night, take care, guys. Thank you again for tuning in. Mark, thank you again. You are literally the best. Literally. The best. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow night, guys. Take care, and as always, go Broncos.